Welcome back to this, the 23rd episode of the Start Well podcast, recorded live on November 21st, 2019 in our event space in downtown Toronto. This live conversation focused on retailing cannabis in Ontario. This is the uh, the second installment of Startwell's speaker series that is focused on the emerging cannabis economy here in Canada, and one of many such sessions uh, where we try to raise stage to diverse and authentic entrepreneurial experiences. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Startwell, this campus is spread between three buildings uh, here in downtown Toronto's King West neighborhood, combining office, meeting, and event space. Um, our members who we call our community, come together for happier workdays filled with opportunity and serendipity. Uh, if you're here as a guest tonight and uh, not a regular member of Startwell, uh, or if you're listening to a recording of this talk, I encourage you to look through startwell.co, that's our website, uh, and uh, come back, schedule a tour, and you can enjoy a cappuccino in our complimentary espresso bar, which you may have seen in the adjacent building at the main front entrance. Uh, and tour this lovely place where we think you could do your life's work um, with a team that you love. Um, okay, so let's learn a little bit about these two wonderful people that are on our little stage here tonight um, for Retailing Cannabis in Ontario. Of course, we've got names on the screen that are rotating, um, and uh, most of you are familiar after our lengthy networking session before this. Um, so the fine gentleman in black, uh, wearing confusing logos, don't be confused. He's not an employee of Super Ed, he's a fan. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. This is all a ruse. I think it isn't. So, Jay Rosenthal um, has had a 20 year career at the intersection of media, business, politics, and policy, uh, especially as it relates to heavily regulated industries. He is the co founder and president of The Business of Cannabis. Canada's authoritative source uh, for news and analysis on uh, the cannabis industry. Uh, and uh, I must mention that, you know, Business of Cannabis is headquartered here at Startwell's downtown location in King West uh, and records its audiovisual content uh, in our professional studio, which is here on site. Audiovisual. He's live and direct in multiple ways. So find out more information about Jay, uh, you know, from businessofcannabis.ca. And our guest tonight is uh, Tricia Lackey. And Tricia is the Director of Brand Experience at Superet. So for those who don't know about it, uh, Superet is a Toronto, Ontario based, so based here in the city of Toronto, uh, early stage venture that's making cannabis retail friendly. I think that's kind of an interesting, I don't know, you'll talk more about this. But Superet, uh, as I understand it, aims to make you know, cannabis simple and safe. So they're trying to simplify the experience of, of the product while keeping it fun because uh, they believe it should be simple, safe, and fun. And um, what's interesting to me also, we'll hear more about this, I'm sure, is um, Superette has looked to nostalgic retail environments for inspiration um, that has brought to life an eclectic, playful approach to selling cannabis. So they're a really great guest for this topic because of, we think, the approach that they've used in crafting their stores and the retail experience and, um, you know, utilizing the aesthetics of a mid-century kind of corner store experience, which should be familiar for the people coming in, and I'm sure um, that Tricia will talk more about that. Um, so this is another element which is very in line with Startwell's brand um, about Superette to mention, which is, from what I understand, is um, 
their experience with customers is very high touch. Uh, and you know, the people that they hire are people that kind of are people you want to meet from what I understand, and of course, by the end of her talking, I'm sure you'll believe that. Um, so they're creating organic connections that have brought the company some early success, which Trisha will talk about, uh, but have also seemed to enable successful relationships. And I think that that's something that really is um, important, and you know, Startwell supports this for all of our member companies. Uh, creating lasting relationships early on with your customers is really important for establishing a brand, and a brand, of course, being your relationship at large, uh, your relatability at large. So you can stay in touch with them at superatshop.com. Um, and uh, with that, I'm gonna let you guys get started talking about whatever it is you'd like to talk about to do with retail of cannabis in Ontario. And then at the end, um, I'll jump back on. Thanks. Great. Continue. Thank you, Kasim. Thank you so Pleasure. I'm Jay, I like to talk about weed. Um, <laughs> Oh, and please talk into the mic, Jay. True, worry, true, true story. I do like to talk about it. Um, and as we start, first of all, thank you. This is awesome. Um, and we could have this conversation in front of people with microphones or not, because uh, we've, we've become fast friends over the past <laughs> 25 minutes. But um, we, at Business of Cannabis, and the industry overall in Canada has talked a lot about retail in Ontario specifically. And much of what we talk about is how the province has fucked it up, how there aren't enough stores, a thriving illicit market, it's all the negative part. And I think within that, you guys are sort of the shining star that you're crushing it for sure. But I feel like you guys would be crushing it if there were a thousand stores, not 25. Or 24. Oh, thank you. And uh, well, you're welcome. I believe it, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. I also wouldn't wear the gear if I didn't like it. <laughs> didn't like the gear and didn't like the shop. I didn't like the people in charge. But talk a little bit about. And I don't know if this was actually a boardroom where this happened. But when you set out to say what is what we're going to do going to be like, and it's a lot of it's it's mostly about the brand experience when you get in the store. Talk about that. Cool. Uh, well, I think I, I came on the project with Superette early this year. So I um, I was with Tokyo Smoke last year, and then I left Tokyo Smoke. They're still around. They're still around, they're still doing okay. <laughs> they're doing okay without me. Um, but when, when Mimi and Drum approached me with Superette, they really wanted it to be a friendly, fun place where people could feel like it was a corner store for them. Like, those are the people that you know. We all started out having a guy or a gal. For me, it was Joe in the green Corolla. He gave me no options, but I took them anyways. Um, and we wanted to be those people that you went to every day that were A, going to tell you what the good stuff is, and B, could give you a lunch recommendation for the area or talk about your newest favorite record. Like, we had CD Warehouse in Ottawa, which was a big inspiration for me because those were the people that you could go in, the music was different every time, but the vibe was always authentically them, and those were the people that you wanted to talk to. So we started um, at the drawing board, me and Lauren, who's our director of retail, and another person that we had both worked with at David's Tea and Sage, and we started with Mission Vision Values because we had all been parts of companies that didn't start there. And so out of the values and guiding statements that we crafted together, that's where we started to go, okay, so this is exactly the kind of team that we want to start to build in Ottawa. We know people there. Mimi and I are both from Ottawa. We think we have a really great network of people where we can find those neighborhood people that people will want to chat with. Yeah. Uh, and just to, because 
you guys are here. That's awesome. There's also going to be people listening and watching some other time. Uh, Mimi and Drummond are the founders. Uh, both met each other at Tokyo, my understanding yep. of the story, yep. met each other at Tokyo Smoke. Um, and the store is in Ottawa because the introduction, you are based here, but the store, the one shop now is in Ottawa. Um, there are other shops in Ottawa too, but from what I see, most people want to be at the at yours. Um, so, so mission, vision, values, sort of approach to that. But many companies think they've started with yeah. that, and that's here in a room. Yeah. And then there's execution somewhere else. And and to me, your title and how you've approached it, it's bridging those two things. Yeah. That is really challenging. Anytime, it's challenging further when there's these in some cases, ridiculous regulatory challenges about what you can and can't do in the store, how you can and can't promote it, all those things. Like, how do you bridge aspirationally the unbelievable store you'd like to build, which you have, but actually then overlay all those things on sort of what you're allowed to do? Yeah. I'm used to being a part of an industry where you, where you push envelopes, right? So our first value that we came up with was fun. And so we said, overarching, that's, that's the number one for us. So make sure that there are people that are knowledgeable and well-versed enough to be able to still have an ease about them so that it doesn't feel so scary or fear-driven when you're when you have people talking to your customers because that's not what they want to feel and that's not what they want to have lead them into a cannabis experience these people especially if they're coming back to the flower or they're brand new to it they are curious but they also don't want to be terrified by you. They want to be in safe hands, but they also want to still know that what everybody's been talking about for five decades about how fun it is, that they're actually going to have an enjoyable time with it. So that was like, fun was number one. Yeah, it's lead with fun. It's a yeah. good thing to lead with. And it strikes me as you say that, that there's been, I mean, anytime people talk about retail, everyone's like, we're going to build the, you know, the um, Apple store of X. And there's yeah. been tons of talk about Apple store of cannabis and what that looks like and is like. And then you think about exactly what you just said. And the Apple store is not fun. Yeah. Um, people don't generally want to go there. Um, the people are snoots and generally assholes, like Genius Bar. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, who's calling you a genius? Yeah. Uh, I love Apple. Like, Me too. I get that. Me but, too. but it's generally not about the brand of the actual retail store. It's about the brand of the actual but product. But it's not about fun. It's yeah. certainly not it's fun. It's not about it. And, um, and in the wanting to be the Apple store of X in almost any industry, the fun part is certainly not core to it. And cannabis is fun. Social. Yeah. It brings people together. Yeah. Right. So yes. yeah. Yeah. So when you're not focusing on that, I think you're missing the point of it being able to introduce this to the masses in a legal way. Like what an opportunity we had to be able to be the first to open our doors in Ottawa, like Mimi's in my hometown, national capital. We really thought Justin Trudeau was gonna come through our doors on day one. Well now the election's <laughs> over, you never know. But it was really awesome to be able to open our doors and my parents sit outside on a bench and, and say to me when I came out, like, so many people are saying how different it was than they expected it to be. And that was really a testament to people getting excited by not only the education of, of the product and, and opening the product and being able to experience it, but having people enjoy the vibe and just want to hang out on a stool and do a crossweed puzzle. And I uh, know, spoiler alert for your visit tomorrow. Wow. We have I'm going there tomorrow. Unrelated yeah. to this, I'm actually <laughs> going to be in Ottawa tomorrow to see the store. Yeah, we did like diner placemat style where you can, like there's puzzles and draw your last trip and we have a, an original Pong game that people play all day. And 
um, books and Jenga games and it's it's just a place where you can hang and talk about cannabis or you can open up your things and see what you got. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, make a very weird connection and very <laughs> Toronto and Gabriel's going to be involved in it. Uh, Gabriel works here at uh, Startwell. He's the the first person you see when you come in and the last person you leave uh, when you leave. Um, Gabriel, before he was working here, uh, he worked at Tom's Suits yeah. in Kensington Market. Nice. And, um, nice. yay Tom's. Um, Tom's and the cannabis conversation generally doesn't come up, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the, that's right, but I'm gonna make the connection. Um, and Tom's has been a successful, it's an institution here in Toronto, people buy their suits there, and they're competing with all with the Bay, with Indochino, like they are competing with the, the rest of the world yeah. across the board. And yeah. I think they're thriving. And the reason why they're thriving is because it is a unique environment. People like going there. I think there is an element of fun. There's also an element of throwback to it. And you feel like you are being taken care of and taken care of buying a suit, which most people don't know anything about. Yeah. They don't do it very often. They know it's something they have to, like all these things, there is a Venn diagram of a retail experience that lasts, it endures, and it is interesting if you want to yeah. go back to it, even though they have many more options. Yeah, no, I, and I think where, where my experience has been really helpful in retail is I worked for David's Tea and nobody knew how to make a cup of loose leaf tea. <laughs> so that was like, it's a hurdle, it's, it's a point of friction, right? You're gonna have a point of friction in cannabis um, and same with Sage Natural Wellness. It was essential oils, so you have to talk about regulatory and what Health Canada allows you to say. So knowing how to push the envelope with that kind of speak really allows us as a team to be able to kind of go, okay, we know the regulations, let's try and, and push the envelope on what we can say and what our people can say because otherwise they're stuck saying, I'm not allowed to tell you what I recommend. Right. So silly. It's yeah. silly, and I understand the I understand the parameters which you're operating in. But actually, David's tea, and that's your background, yeah. is um, is a really good example. Obviously, you know that because you just said it. But the idea that nobody knows it, yeah. and everybody's a little bit intimidated. But the people at David's actually can help explain totally. it to you, and also like not not retail shops here, but dispensaries in the States, there's actually a very similar physical oh environment to it. I opened all the David's Teas in San Francisco and do you know how many times yeah. I people came in and were like, are you selling weed? Yeah. Like, no, we have a tea called Northern Lights though. Well, well played, <laughs> yeah. it's not a bad name. Um, and, and, uh, we're gonna skip around because yeah. uh, the David's Tea part, uh, we were talking before, David's Tea, Tea Sommelier, is also working with a company here in Canada yeah. called Ollie Brands, which will be creating tea soon, or already has, and will be selling in your store. Thinking about a, an experience of a shopper in in your store now, they don't have that many options, so the, it's, you know, there's dry flour, or dry flour rolled up in a joint, <laughs> or maybe some oils, which, People don't, you know, they're not really buying, like yeah. all those things. So you're really, you know, there's, there's really one vertical, right? Um, but there's going to be a lot. <laughs> and, and how does that enter into certainly the education of the people that work there, but also a brand experience and a, and a physical space as you walk in, you know, they're going to go from like 50 SKUs to like 200. Oh yeah, more than, yeah, definitely. That. Um, well, we are looking at actually doing a little bit of a reconfiguration to do a bit of a shop within a shop. 
um, to focus a couple of people on the sales floor to do, it, for anybody who doesn't know the style of our store, it's very diner meets bodega. So we're gonna kind of create the little mini bodega so that we have a space to educate people at onset times about what safety in vape pens looks like, why you can trust the companies that are coming out, yada yada. Um, but also to be able to have a menu that is just showing you what the options are. Um, our menu right now, we, we actually op opted to not go digital. We are a paper-based menu, so you get a, a diner-style menu when you walk in our door. You see a list of everything. Um, we know that that's not a scalable thing for us, but we really wanted to start out with a really high-touch place where people are forced to actually talk to our humans and, and talk to them about, about product. So that's gonna be the same. We're gonna create a secondary menu for the second generation of products and, and really focus on education of dosage and education of, of safety with hardware and safety with um, materials going into vapes. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be needed. And actually, this is the exact point uh, we were at the Ontario Cannabis Store anniversary thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys were there uh, on the 17th of October, mm -hmm. whatever it was. Um, and they said that, so it, the online sales in Ontario started October 2018. They felt they were the only place to buy it legally in Ontario on, ever, anywhere till April 1st. And April 1st, 24 or so stores then opened up and they were saying within that year, even though it was a six month only online and then six months in stores, that 75% of all the cannabis was sold in stores for the entire year. So nobody's buying it online, yeah. which is great for yeah, you guys. Great for us. But I think why they're not buying it online is because they don't know yeah. anything yet. Yeah. And they need to know before they buy. Yeah. And that's only gonna increase over time. And I think what you guys have done is like you could just have an information booth and they could learn, but you've actually created a thing that people actually want to go, even if they know exactly what they want and could buy it online. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think having a place to engage with product and engage with people. I mean, we have scent pods. They do well for us. We rotate things out. We don't have every flower in them, but it's a great way to, to get people to start to talk about quality of flower rather than just get information on what's indica, what's sativa. Like that's We know that going forward, that's not how we're going to talk about it. So getting people to interact with things, have sensual experiences with them, um, that's like talk about it. Talk about it, talk about it, and, and let people in our store be your, be your buddy and guide yeah. you through it. It's so smart. Do you think, um, do you think, so the, the sort of the death notice of retail has been written a million yeah. times over, yeah. and the ones that are surviving are not dying, they're actually thriving. Mm -hmm. uh, are there others from other sectors that you're looking at saying, they're doing something interesting, we can incorporate that, or they have something that um, we could never replicate, but imagine if we could, like, are there sort of aspirational things that you'd like to incorporate into the store? There are a couple of aspirational things I'd like to incorporate as far as our menu in particular. I think, um, but I think nobody's doing a digital menu excellently right now, and I think we, with the paper menu, have something that I think is a good start that could be turned into a digital option that maintains the integrity and aesthetic of the branding. Um, I also think there is a lot of opportunity for us to, to actually really focus more on, on smell of flour. Mm -hmm. um, and within other industries, what I'm actually seeing a lot of is an ex-industry that I was in, which is essential oil, and being able to push Health Canada to be able to say, like make your claims around natural product numbers. I think, I think if we can start to push research towards that, that is like 
an insane jumping off point for our bud tenders to be able to speak powerfully to to just the therapeutic benefits of the smell alone. Like if we talk terpenes, you're talking aromatherapy. So like that, let's learn from that industry and, and start to push Health Canada that way. Smart. Thank you. They seem not that willing to be pushed, but no. rock on. No, but I mean, uh, I mean, Sage. We, it took it took about six years of fighting at Sage before they got 28 licensed natural product numbers, and then they were able to go and say to every single consumer, "This is peppermint halo. It is a headache remedy." Mm -hmm. So when you're actually able to to push people and and really be active in and vocal, that like yes, it, it might take six years, but fuck, at least it's not 12 years. <laughs> Let's yeah. start. Yeah. Um, Non sequitur, I've been pronouncing sage wrong. Sahe? Sage. Sage. <laughs> Sage. Yeah, that's wrong. I call it that when I'm feeling fancy about it, so why not? <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm also pronouncing David's T wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but it is, uh, I have been pronouncing it wrong. I'm sorry for That's it. That's uh, totally okay. Yeah. I got it all the time. Do you know they changed the, it to a J instead of a G for numerology? Oh. What, yeah. what was the what? What did it oh change? Oh God! To? What did it, it like? It used to add up to the the letters added uh, up to like two, and now it's seven or something oh, like that. So cool. yeah, it, it was yeah. Oh, Good. what does superette add, add up to? Have you I done? I caramba, spafé. No, I yeah. haven't done it. Okay, we'll do that. Someone. Will yeah, do yeah, that. we'll do numerology. Uh, um, what, uh, I'm going to ask a businessy question. Yeah. Um, today, the pro all week they've been hinting at this. The province of Ontario is saying a couple of things. One, they'll be click and collect. Like you go online, it's unclear how it'll be operationalized, but like be able to click, go pick it up in your store. Awesome. Uh, there'll be maybe a new way to like, you could have like a page where you could set, like who knows what they're gonna yeah. do around digital stuff. But the idea that there's gonna be many new stores, right? They've said, or, you know, first for people who don't know, there was a lottery, 25 people were pulled. They were the ones that opened the first. You guys worked with one of the lottery winners. That's the first thing. Then there was a shittier lottery, if there was possible, <laughs> to do the next 42 or whatever it was. Yeah. That was like, none of them, zero, zero of them have opened. <laughs> yeah. Some seem actually quite close. I mean, I just yeah. saw the numbers, yeah. but like, you know, we're like a really, it's yeah. been a long time. But uh, the story today was that the province is likely to open up not unlimited, but like 700 to 1,000 new store licenses. And they haven't talked about the sort of qualification for that, but a much more free market approach. Uh, you don't have to answer. I don't there was know. a celebratory you know. dance in yes, our Yes, okay, good. That's, yeah. that's part of the question. But like, obviously, it's not going to be 700 stores that, yeah. are, that are your brand. But like, what is a number that you, I don't even know, like aspirationally, like 100, but like, at how many could you roll out in a span of six months, do you think? Well... There's a there's a lot of factors that go into it for us. We're a small team. We're a small team of ten. I already have the gear. I know you. Have, <laughs> you're ready to rep us. <laughs> Do you want to be a general manager? Um, I wouldn't I, pass the security. I would love to be able to commit to a number for us. Like we have one property that we are ready to go. We can't wait to flip it into a dispensary. We think that the neighborhood is grossly under underserved in Toronto. Um, but is, that that's the young, the, is that the Young Street? That's the Summer Hill, okay. yeah, the Summer Hill location. So if for those that don't know, or weren't at this fucking awesome party, um, go to the next one, but uh, there's a space just like south of where like Tyrone is on Young yeah, Street. Yeah, the flagship LCBO, yeah. 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 It's white, it's got this flower on, on the outside. Right, this, Soon that, to be better hoarding. Of, it's, it's, but it's, it's, uh, that's the space that she's talking yeah, about. Sorry. Yeah, it's the old roots. Yeah. So, yeah, we're right below the roots yoga studio. And, and yeah, I mean, we're, we are dying to open up there. 
Um, but that's the only one that we are like pumping, pumping, like holding our, our foot on the brake to ready to go to the yeah. gas. Um, other than that, we're, we're kind of keeping our options open because we want, listen, I've been a part of two companies that did it too fast. Yeah. And, and it wasn't good for the culture and it wasn't good for the experience. It got diluted really, really quickly. You, you end up getting really top heavy and, and it's not sustainable. Yeah. You're not sustaining your hiring on your front line, which are your people that you need to feel appreciated. If those people don't feel good, you're toast. Yeah. And I've seen it happen so many times it's broken my heart because there's companies that have really, really well-intentioned beginnings that just, for lack of a better word, sell out. Interesting um, segue. Um, uh, there has been, and we don't, you don't have to talk about this, but um, the industry is going through some challenges uh, right now, especially as it relates to publicly traded companies. It's been a very bad month. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being really generous that it's been yeah, bad and yeah. that it's only been a month. No, a but like, um, and, and, and this was very early days, we were talking about it, like the closer you are to the actual purchase, the yeah. better you're going to be. Yeah. And I think, uh, this actually, this is a good question that'll make it worthwhile. There are many of the big licensed producers that are like, you know, grew to two million square feet of cultivation, like mm -hmm. they're trying to do their thing, they're trying to be cultivators and brand people and everything in between. And then there are people that are just creating the brands of the product, right? There's, I think there's one that's located in our building here, but or close by. Um, but like the idea that there is these brand people and that there's these licensed producers and then there's these people who are great cultivators that are you know creating great flour on a very small scale. Like, what do you think the future holds for the industry as it relates to the products people actually want to buy? Which then we can back up to like how the industry is going to provide that and who's going to be successful. Okay, wait. It's a lot there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do I think about the product? Or no, what do I think about... I, I guess the question is, if the, if the industry could create products that people want, yeah. what would those products be? And then, and then be, because they're not... Well, we have, we have a, an email address that everybody can ask. Ask Trish at superettshop.com. So it's questions about cannabis and questions about how to use, etc. Um, the most that we that we hear about are edibles, concentrates, and that's it. I don't. Well, I, I get a lot of questions about how to use CBD, but as far as demand for product, um, it's all edibles and, and concentrates right now. Um, so, if that's what second generation looks like, and, and we're waiting for it, and and it's not going to be like it's not going to be rolled out before holiday. Like, we're retailers, that is our magic week, yeah. and you give me December 17th as a date, I want it on December 17th at 12.01, yeah. because that is my peak week, that's where I do almost 30% of my business as a traditional retailer. Right. Now, like, we're not traditional retail, so it may look totally different, but that's your opportunity to get into people's stockings, that's your, your opportunity to introduce it to grandma, who wants to try like, a little nip of it in a beverage, you never know. So. By missing that, that is a huge wasted opportunity for us. So that's what I'm looking forward to with next holiday, I guess. Yeah. So holiday 2020 is where, is where I see the future of introducing people on a mass scale to different, different products and, okay. and products that they feel excited and comfortable with. I've thought about the question that I rambled on about before. Are okay, you ready? Beautiful. Yeah. You guys, 
out of necessity and desire and mission, vision, values, focused on the consumer and how to actually serve that. Mm-hmm. And you know that because you come from a you know consumer background, right? Um, the industry was developing products that were based on no data. Are there are there brands that come to you and talk to you and want to put stuff in your store that you're like, God, this is missing this mark so badly. Oh, yeah. Or the other way around. That oh, are yeah. Right on it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are people that come to us and, and we love to make the connection and, and hear from them and then we go, there's no way. Like, that's not, that's not for us. Yeah, yeah. And then there are people that we can't wait to get their stuff into the second gen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's lots of people that we're really excited about. If you do something a little bit differently for us, that really excites us. We don't want the same old, same old. Yeah, yeah we want you to stand out, do like, if you're gonna do a gummy, make it the best goddamn gummy that we're gonna taste. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, so like short answer is yes, there's tons of people that come to us that were like, hell no, um, and they keep coming back to us and trying to give us hats and, and free things, and we're just like, this is just not aligned with who we are. Who would respond to free hats and sweatshirts? <laughs> it's a hoodie we're looking No, but there's just, like, there's no amount of swag that's gonna make me put that in my store because it's overpriced, it's not on brand for us, it's, not, it's not worth it for, our, for us to get customers to buy that just because they don't have other options. Like if we're low on, on a certain amount of pre-rolls, like we're, it's, it's not worth it to us. Yeah. Um, can we talk about um, the regulatory environment which with your operating, in which you're operating, right? There's part about what the, you can't see the inside from the outside, that's mm-hmm. a shitty one. Signage is probably a local issue yeah. or what you can say about it. You can't, you can't outfit people. <laughs> in gear, but you actually can't sell the gear too. Yeah. Like, is that a, not a blessing, that's not the right word, but like, is it easier to work within those confines because you know them, or would you rather have it be Colorado where there's like neon lights? Well, I mean, there's confines, but they're very vague. Like, I'll, I'll give you a, like, our first weekend we had mugs that we, were, we put into our system as ashtrays. <laughs> we, tr- we tried real hard. Yeah. And the AGCO was like, that's not, that's not a, it, that's not correct. I said, well, what? you can't tell us that it's not an ashtray. I just ashed, yeah, I can ash a joint in here. Um, so we're, we find it fun to try and, and figure out where we can find the cracks in those very loose guidelines. Um, it does come back to haunt us sometimes when they're like, oh no, this covers everything though. So that's, I think, I, 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 would, I wish that we could sell apparel in the store because we get tons of people that ask for it. Um, is it gonna make our bottom dollar? Hell no. Um, but like giving it away at our 1017 party did way more for us with exposure than selling it for 50 bucks on our website. So there's a, there's a balance for us that like, yes, we'd love to have it out there, but it's not what is making us right now. We love having things that feel fun and cool to wear, but no, our bread and butter is, is those people on the front lines that make going to the store a good time. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Garrett and I from the Business of Cannabis team, we were at an event with as- aspiring retailers. Um, and many of them, like, had looked at the lotteries, like, oh, that would be fun to do, and maybe it's going to open up. And, and um, I think even some of the people that won the lottery that had best intentions, it's not even about brands that they're creating. They're just, it's the retail experience of, like, in, buy, and out that they don't, are not getting right. 
um, and I want you to criticize the province. I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to do that. But like, what, like, for people who are looking to get into the space, like, is it you need a background in retail, or you need a background in cannabis, or you need just a really thoughtful team, or like, what would be the one thing that you would say you have to focus on this because without this, you're screwed? I think you should have at least someone that has a background in retail that can focus on the actual retail operations of your store because it's not as easy as just hiring a bunch of people and going, Godspeed. Yeah. Like you have to foster them, you have to help them be an entrepreneur to be able to boost up your business. Like if you're if you are fostering an environment where those people feel ownership over your business, that's what's gonna make you successful. And people who have at least a, a little bit of current retail background, like that's what it's been since the Apple Store came around is finding people that can run your business, not just be a manager. They need to feel ownership, they need to have autonomy. Like look, our big announcement that's coming tomorrow that you're gonna be there for came from a team member came from a part-time team member. So when you, if, if you don't hear that tomorrow, like know that in the back of your mind that this, whatever we're doing, we have a very democratic process at Superette. We really believe in the feedback of our, of our part-time team members, our inventory manager, our general manager at the, at the store. What they're seeing and what they're experiencing is directly guiding our business decisions that we make, whether it's corporate social, social responsibility or our cannabis buy every week. They inform us. Listen to your people. <laughs> this is, um, I'm going to get touchy-feely for a second. Maybe that's what it's called. Like, um, and people are very critical of millennials. Um, this, these are related, I swear. Um, it is a very young team <coughs> running the ship. I'm the oldest one. I was, wasn't going to say that. I am. I'm, uh, I'm proud of it. Yeah, and you're very young. <laughs> um, but, like, like um, is this symptomat or symptom a symptom of or a symbol of the industry that it's like people just taking these massive chances and like mm. it's okay you, you could be old young it doesn't matter as long as you're taking this chance or is there something that the team at at, at Superhat is like a, not a new wave of thinking but like super focused on the consumer versus the dollar like what what do you think that magic sauce is and does it have anything to do with age or the approach or is it just a good team? Well, I think we have a healthy balance of risk taker and people that want to do things properly. So if you just look at our two co-founders, Mimi and Drum, they're very opposite. Drum is very risk taker. Mimi is tell me all the facts and then we'll make our decision, which is a really healthy balance for the two of them to have because he pushes her and she pushes him. Um, so you, there's a lot of perspective and a lot of openness. I don't know if it's a youth thing, but they are both very open leaders to hearing from Lauren and I to say like, okay, we have experience with companies that have done X, Y, Z, and it did not work for them. And they kind of go, okay, okay, great. Let's try something different. So they're open to trying different things um, as, long as, as long as we have the arguments to back it up, which I think is a really healthy way to build a creative team. Um, especially when you're in an industry that is throwing as many creative curveballs at you as it is 
and an industry that could be running out of money really quickly and you have to make decisions that are financially creative to not financially creative and <laughs> like cook the books but like you have to you have to make a lot happen with a, with a few dollars and that is something that I have to say David's tea taught me up and down like you had to hustle your ass with two grand for your quarter to make a brand difference in San Francisco and you're like okay so I just I have to a be a really great person to deal with B, I have to have creative ideas to, to bounce off these people that want me to sponsor the San Francisco Giants for 50 grand, and I've got two grand. So you have to have people that are, that are open, creative, thoughtful, and, and want to debate. Like, there's, a, there's so much power in creative debate in, in Superette's organization, and it's something that really drew me to, to the company, because I moved out of the space for a hot second, and, and it, was, it was the team and, and how, what we accomplished in opening that store that drew me back in. Uh, it, it's interesting, that's amazing. Um, it, you learn a little bit about people's background, and then you, I, imaginary or not, you actually see it in the sort of end product, right, yeah. in the store. Like, you're, like David's Tea, I get that that experience is super valuable, yeah. and how that would be valuable as you create this. I think Drummond came from Herschel. Yep. Backpacks. And Kitnays. Right. Yeah. So like Kitnays, Herschel, like yeah. you think about those brands and if you're really tuned in, you're like, that is, yeah. I don't know what that thing is, but that is a thing. Yeah. Right? Like Herschel is a brand you know. Yeah. Kitnays is a brand you know and it has its own thing. And that, the essence of that, uh, you know, it's like, it's the secret sauce. You don't yeah. know, you don't know why you love it, but yeah. even if you don't love it, you know that people do love it. It's a very, all those things are sort of. And that's not Mimi's background. She comes. She's like a numbers person. She's a number. Right? Yeah, um, she's our quant. But like putting that all together in a package that that works in this case is amazing because it I think it just is easily. And, and I think there's examples about oh, in this industry and others that like that misses the mark. Yeah, but that's where when you have somebody like Mimi that can kind of go okay, ease up, like take your pedal off the metal here for a second and let's let's talk this through. It's, it's about diversity of background. Like that's, it's the most amazing thing to come into this industry and see a totally different group of people than what I'm used to in retail. Because Sage and David C were very, very different. I had a lot of female leadership at, those two, at both of those companies and I'm coming back into an industry that is very balanced right now. I actually find, in the retail sector of it anyways, that there's tons of women doing really awesome things. There's tons of women at Tokyo Smoke and, and, and with us that are, that are really making huge leadership leaps. Um, so having lots of perspectives and different backgrounds, we've got, we've got a lot of people from different places that have, that have come together for this. So. It actually, it's, uh, we'll get to this because it's been an award, it's like the cannabis award season and you guys are obviously winning them all. Uh, like the Lyft Cannabis, Canadian Cannabis Awards you won, if not all of them, I don't know who else won. There were categories you weren't in, I assume, and other people won them. And then the Clio Awards, like High yeah, Times and Clio, that was today. And there's other stuff in Ottawa that's happening. Yeah. Um, and I can't help but think, because it goes back to the age question, this is like the millennial fuck you for like people <laughs> trying to run this industry. It's like. You guys don't know what you're doing, and we do. We're two with the customers, and we're killing it. And if you want information, come to us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thank you for saying that. I like, I don't personally identify as a millennial, so it's it's hard for me to say. Like, I'm I'm 40 almost, so it's I'm I'm not a millennial. <laughs> I'm almost 40. <laughs> I'm like the old end of hipster, like <laughs> aged hipster. Um, so it's yeah, it feels a bit like. 
uh, like a, the fuck you because we are we like to call ourselves agnostic like we we had this we talked about this a little bit before but we're able to say yes no to product because we're not tied to anybody so that has a lot of freedom and sense of power for us as well to be able to make choices and like our cannabis buy every week we talk about there's four of us on that call we talk about exactly what we're going to buy what's doing well why it's doing well what's consistently been a beautiful product so in in that kind of sense yeah it is a bit of a fuck you because a lot of other people are just having one person make all of those decisions and it's just buy 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 this is this has great margin this sells well this is high thc that's not how we're going so yeah kind of um I don't think that's, I mean, certainly not coming on a press release, like, fuck you. But it, but it is, I mean, it's it's uh, showing success in the uh, bucking the trend of but what people Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to think about this because it's come up in, in conversations previously, and it's wrapped up in how the Ontario Cannabis Store and Ontario overall, but also Health Canada's regulations. Like, if there was an opportunity for you guys to white label your own cannabis thing, yeah. brand, like, you work with an LP, you get your thing, it's part of your offering, like, is that... Super, and then be able to sell it everywhere else too. But yeah. like, is that something that is core to the future, or would it be a nice to have, or it's like, it would work or not? I think it would be great to have for us. I think we have an appetite for wanting great product to be great and affordable product to be on the market. So yes, we have the appetite for white label products. Um, it's just about finding the exact right partner for us because we don't want to be in the premium. Um, because that's not what our clientele base and what our aesthetic and what our whole vibe is. Um, but we do want people who are growing great flower for a great price. Yeah. Um, can I ask the sort of flip of that question? Because uh, there is also, and, and I'll think of Tokyo Smoke, right? They, I mean, they sell all, everybody's products, but, um, but is there the idea, um, do you think there's room in the market and that it would be successful based on everything you know, that if they were branded stores, like the Nike store of cannabis, is that something that would be successful and people would seek out? Or do you think people actually want variety, want different offerings, want to know more or explore like a sport check? Uh, ooh, I think sport check is what they want. I think they want to, to see a bunch of different options. What is somebody's secret sauce that makes this flower better than others? Um, for, the, for the cannabis connoisseur, I would say that. For the kind of general mass public right now, I don't think there's as much care about that right now. Um, somebody like me, yes, for sure, I care way too much, but it's whether their product is gonna be dry within a day, that's a big, big thing for people, and whether it tastes good and, and is a decent high. Mm -hmm. That's what they're, I don't think it's, I mean, there's no brand loyalty yet. There's no brand loyalty. 